Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. is going on everybody welcome back to another episode of the kind of funny x cast your home for all things xbox here at kind of funny of course i'm one of your hosts Snowbike mike and today we're kicking off the podcast just a little different because we got a very special episode coming your way later in the show myself and paris lily will sit down with the head of id at xbox chris charla for an awesome interview but wanted to welcome you all into this show before that happens so let me hit you with some housekeeping, and then we'll jump right into that special interview. Of course, this is the Kind of Funny X-Cast. We post each and every Saturday at 6 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, RoosterTeeth.com, and of course, on podcast services around the globe. Wanted to take a quick moment and say, hey, to all you audio listeners and viewers over on YouTube, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast, being part of the conversation, and just celebrating Xbox and video games with myself and the team here at the Kind of Funny X-Cast. We're so excited for this week, and I can't wait to bring you this awesome interview. Don't forget that we are now Epic Games Partners, which means if you're upgrading your look in Fortnite, if you're making your car look dope in Rocket League, or maybe you're going out there and winning those crowns in Fall Guys and you want some V-Bucks or buying some games off the Epic Games Store, you can use our Epic Creator Code at checkout, kind of funny, anytime to help support the team in a brand new way. It's no additional cost to you and you can help support us, which would be really, really awesome. And talking about support, I want to give a big shout out to our Patreon producers for the month of April. To everybody that supports us on Patreon, thank you all so, so much. But a big shout out to our Patreon producers, Gordon McGuire, Fargo Brady, Pranksky, Dan Golden, Spider B, Tyler Ross, Delaney Twinning, First Responder ND, Julian the Gluten-Free Gamer, James Hastings, and Casey Andrews. Thank you all so much for your support. And also along the lines of support, we want to give a big shout out to our sponsors this week. The Kind of Funny X-Cast is brought to you by Me Undies and Maple Story. But myself and the team will tell you all about that in just a little bit. But let's get into it. A very special episode coming your way. Myself and Paris Lily are going to sit down with the head of ID at Xbox, Chris Charla, to talk about that program and all things indie games. Let's have some fun. Let's jump to that now. Welcome in, everybody. It's your guy, Snowbike Mike, and I'm joined, of course, with my co-host, Mr. Paris Lilly, and a very special guest. I'll get to that in just a second. Paris, how are you today, my friend? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, sir. How are you doing? I'm good, Paris. I'm really excited because today we have an awesome special guest. We have the head of ID at Xbox, Chris Charla, joining us. And so we got a fun little interview where it's all about him and his awesome team and the things they do over at Xbox and all the awesome indie games that they bring to light. So let's jump over there. Chris, what's going on, my friend? How are you today? Hey, how's it going? Oh, so good, Chris. We're happy to have you. And uh, I'm really excited to talk with you. Paris, you feeling good about Chris? You excited to have him? No, I'm excited. ID at Xbox is is something I've wanted to talk about for a long time. So why not go directly to the source? Oh, I like that. I like that. Well, we're going to jump right into that. But first, Paris, we got to find out what's you been playing lately. Chris, what have you been playing? What's the game that you've been jumping into? Tunic. I just, uh, I've just been playing Tunic. I kind of have to, t- I actually, I brought my Xbox down to GDC with me. I threw it in a backpack and then, you know, you stay in a hotel and you think everything will just work. And then like the TV didn't work. So I was like, you don't need a TV. You don't need a TV, but look, there's a target. So I have a new TV and, uh, and then trying to get the Wi-Fi to work, but you know, it's like hard with the hotel and the thing. So I ended up tethering it to my phone uh but i did get like a solid like four or five hours of tunic in at gdc and then um now that i'm back like work's really busy but i'm uh um i'm behind everybody right but i just i finished the swamp and um i'm looking around for the different uh heroes 
uh, graves. So, like, that's not a spoiler, I don't think, to anybody. So, I hope not. Sorry if it is. Uh, but yeah, but I'm loving it. I just, I just, it's like one of those things. You just like that's a game where we saw that, um, you know, really early. I think we saw it the same time everybody else saw it when it first debuted. It was in the indie mega booth up at like PAX West, and everybody. You know, I was glued to it for the whole time. And then, you know, the whole show, I was getting texts from all these people who work at Microsoft in Xbox, outside of Xbox, like, you seen this game with the Fox? You know, and, you know, and we we're just like lurking around the booth trying to talk to people. And so we well, always do the game was special, right? And we had it on stage at E3 and, and everything. You know, the game is really special. And then you start playing it and you're like, oh my God, I had no idea. Like, I knew it was special, but I didn't know. Like, I didn't know it was this special, you know, like, and you, you see the manual and you think like, oh, it's so cool to have this like really nice manual. It's like the pause screen. And then you start to learn and I won't do any spoilers, but you start to realize just how deep it is and just how it's, it, I'm in love, you know, like I have it, like, it's just so good. So yeah, that's what, that's the, I've been playing that. And then, um, I play, I've been playing a lot of DS because I, I sort of got back into collecting DS games. So that's just like, uh, you know, I don't know, hobby is, you know. And then uh, and then uh, I play a lot. I still play an enormous, like I play a lot of Geometry Wars, like between meetings, just to get that 30-second relaxation. I have a TV right behind my monitor, and so. Eric Lilly, he's bringing up some great games here. I know a lot of people are going to start jumping up about Geometry Wars, which we'll talk about in a little bit for sure. Oh, yeah, he's throwing some heat. So it's it's funny you say that, Chris. <clears throat> Excuse me. Geometry Wars was actually the first achievement I ever got on the oh, Xbox nice. 360 because I went to the Zero Hour event back in 05 for the launch, and that was the first game I played, and I got an achievement awesome. on it. But I actually have a question for you, and, and we definitely want to go into the origins of ID at Xbox and, and really talk about all that. But you bring up Tunic, and the story that you just told uh, made me think about something. So... How, how does that process actually work for, for a game like that, that you're obviously seeing yourself at PAX West and you're kind of talking internally about it, but how does that process work to get that as a, a part of the uh, ID at Xbox program? Yeah, so it's it's really interesting because it can go a lot of different ways, right? Obviously, there's a lot of people who have a game and it's, you know, it's early and they know about ID. Maybe they've shipped a game before, maybe they haven't. They apply to the program and then, um, you know, and then and we end up getting to see a build or, or learn about the game that way. And then there's other games where um, we don't, right? Where we see the game first and we're like, hey, what are your console plans? Have you thought about Xbox? And we should talk. And, you know, there's like a lot of support we can give and that kind of thing. And so it kind of goes, it kind of goes both directions. And then the other thing that happens a lot is we'll get introductions, right? Where somebody will be like, oh, hey, my friend is making this game. I told him you should talk to you, like, you know, and, and you, you kind of get connected that way. And so, um, yeah, it, 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 it's amazing how many different ways um, games uh, c come into the ecosystem from, you know, like our standard front door, which is just xbox.com slash ID to, you know, introductions from people or we see something on Twitter or somebody sees us on Twitter or, you know, just like literally this morning, um, a high school student, um, I think she's a high school student from Australia, like hit me up on LinkedIn and was like, oh, you know, how do I do, you know? And so it's like, um, it's just really neat. You know, it can, it can come any, any kind of direction. Wow. That's really rad. It's right. And that's a cool one. I think we want to dive into first is like talking about the ID at Xbox program. Of course, I want to hear your history of how you got involved with it, but I think to start off for all of our viewers and listeners out there, can you give us the description of what is the ID at Xbox program? What does it do for developers? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's I mean, a lot of people have heard of it, but you actually you don't need to have heard of it because it's not it's uh, you know. But what basically what it, we are is we're the program at Microsoft that enables independent developers to self-publish their games digitally on Xbox, on Windows Store, and and every place else. And um, and so uh, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. That's it as a nutshell, all right? <laughs> Let's jump into it then. It's like there's more to it. Yeah, there's more. I was just saying, Chris, you gave sure. the easy answer, and yeah. I like that yeah. right there—a very general answer. But let's talk about how you got involved, because because you have a really cool history in the video games industry, and it's evolved so much. Now you're the head of ID at Xbox. How did you start off with ID and Xbox, and where did this idea come from? 
Yeah, so I um I've worked at Microsoft for like uh since 2010 and um and before that I was an independent developer and before that I was a a journalist, IGN and and some magazines and stuff like that. And um but when I was as a developer, we just fell in love with digital distribution. Like um you know Paris you're just talking about your first day with the 360 and I remember um you know my first day with the 360, I I was in Massachusetts at my mother-in-law's house. Like I waited out in like freezing rain with no jacket for like three hours to get my little card at Best Buy so I could get the thing. And then I, you know, and I bought like literally like the first game I saw, like, and got back to, you know, grandma's house and, uh, and set it all up. And, and I'll be honest, the first game, it was like a port from another system and it was not great. Right. And, and it looked a lot like a last gen game, but, you know, you, you get that with, you know, like new, you know, day one, new, new games on new systems. And I remember my wife kind of looking at me like, you got pneumonia for this. And, and I was like, well, no, it's, this is really good. This like, I know this console is going to be great. And then, um, you know, we got on the internet and, um, and just started downloading like some of those first Xbox live arcade games, a couple of which my company had worked on. And, but the second we started doing that, it was like, this is the future. You know what I mean? Like, this is right. like, I'm at home and I'm bored. And now I just got this game and, you know, I ended up taking that game back, you know, and, and it was just like this is this is just where the world is going, and um, and so my company at the time we just went all in on Xbox Live Arcade and and, and PlayStation Network as well, um, just like making a ton of games, a lot of classic games, a couple original IPs, and um, and I just was I just always been really excited by like how much creativity you know it, you say digital dis- distribution now, and it's like well, yeah, obviously like everything is distributed digitally like buying something retail is weird. Um, but, 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 that, but back then, you know, like however long ago it is now, 15 years, it was new, it was different. And it really changed what kind of games could be made. Like, um, you know, you, you, you couldn't have a Castle Crashers in the days of box software. Like you could do a Castle Crashers box collector's edition now, but in the olden days, it would have been hard to convince somebody to take the risk to spend the money to make thousands and thousands of discs for this game that seemed like a, a really old-fashioned game type that was like hand-drawn like who's going to want to play that well you know it turns out millions and millions of people and it and it completely you know helped change an industry um but that that's what digital distribution allowed and so i was um uh i was su- super into it and so when the opportunity came to go from making Xbox Live Arcade games to working at Microsoft, to working with developers who are making Xbox Live Arcade games. Like I, I didn't, you know, I, well, you know, I missed all my friends and you have to move, but like, I didn't think a lot before I was just like, oh yeah, we're doing that. And, you know, loaded up the family and, and moved to, to Seattle. And um, yeah. And so, you know, Xbox Live Arcade was like one of the greatest platforms ever for games and um as we started to get to the xbox one generation like two things happened one is the indie community was growing and progressing like way faster than microsoft could keep up with honestly with the level of like kind of tools and technology that we had in the the back end in 360 it just wasn't it hadn't been architected for having hundreds and hundreds of of publishers self-publishing so we, we didn't allow self-publishing Steam did, PlayStation did, and and developers started to get really upset with us, and really legitimately because um, you know it was we were not going as fast as the rest of the industry. So internally, we knew we had to address that, and um, and so uh, some people got together, folks like like Fisher, Angela Hessian, myself, um, uh, uh, other people, and we were like, how do we? What do we do? Like, how do we? How do we like address this? And what we came up with was. Um, was what became the ID at Xbox program. And, you know, we, we kind of had some fundamentals at the time that turned out to be right, which was kind of cool. Like one is we really believed in digital distribution. We really believed that this and, and indie developers were going to be like hugely important to the future of the game industry. I mean, this is, you know, um, you know, Minecraft had already happened and was just really obvious to us anyway. And I, maybe I, sometimes that joke, this is the only time in my life I've ever been right about something that, um, that like, these developers were going to take up all this space in the market that was going to be left behind by those sort of like mid-tier and small publishers kind of going away. And that these games were going to grow in stature, they were going to grow in size, they are going to grow in importance, and we had to be uh, ready for them. 
And then, you know, in terms of like, okay, so how do we do that? Like, what do we do? Um, we were like, well, that part's actually not that hard. Like, it's one of these things where the, the strategy takes like five minutes to figure out and then the implementation, you know, it's nine years later and we're still working on. But the strategy was just like, just make it super easy for the devs to ship. Like make all their problems go away. They'll all bring their games to Xbox. We already know we have this amazing, I mean, I'm biased, but also I believe this is true, like the best fan base in video games, you know, people who love games and love trying different games and are happy to engage, you know, digitally and everything like that. Um, so we know we're going to have a great marketplace for these developers. If we just make it easy for them to ship, they'll bring their games to Xbox. Our players will get the broadest possible array of games, you know, on, on Earth everyone will be happy. And then we'll get to be happy because we get to work with all these cool games to help bring them to, uh, to players. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of worked, you know, like the, you know, it's easy to say, make it easy for developers. And the, the reality is, is that we have like a really big team. Like I always get kind of trotted out as the face, but we have a really big team of people who, who makes like easy happen. And, you know, in, in the early days that started by doing everything by hand, um, today, we've replaced a lot of that hand-hewn work on behalf of developers in the back end with, with tools and, you know, better documentation and stuff like that. But we still have, like, a lot of the same folks who've been here the whole time, like, um, you know, um, just working on, on the program and, and, and still, you know, contributing at, like, a, a super high level. So it's, it's really kind of, like, um, you know, awesome awesome to see you know it, it, it's funny just listening to you you talk about that yeah you know, just my mind started to wander because I, I i think about on on a personal level as a gamer those early days with xbox live arcade you mentioned things like you know indie booth there's indiecade you think about day of the devs things like that where obviously idea at xbox you just had your showcase where you're seeing these indie games be spotlighted and, and mike can tell you um, last year, I think I became the biggest fan in the world for Death's Door, right? To see what Asset Nerve was able to do with that game, um, I just absolutely fell in love with it. Um, you mentioned Tunic. I'm, I'm, I'm loving that right now as well. I'm playing Weird West, things like that. It's it's so funny. I always consider myself this, this hardcore AAA gamer type, but I'm really finding myself going to more to indie games because I, I get excited when I see these small teams that have to take a risk right? Do something different to stand out from the crowd, have these small budgets and be really innovative. Like I feel the innovation in this industry happens at the indie level, right? And then obviously gravitates up, you know, to the bigger games. But I, I'm just curious from your standpoint, being a developer, starting out in those early days, kind of seeing how the indie landscape ha has evolved over the past decade or so, what, what do you see for the future with indie titles? Do, do you see this growing even more and getting more smaller studios involved and using something like ID at Xbox to be able to spotlight them? Yeah, I really do. And it's you kind of hit on something that I think is really important. This is about the, I mean, well, about innovation, right? And so, like, I, I actually think that if you look at AAA games, you look at Call of Duty, you look at Madden, they innovate every year. Like, those games, you know, people like to say stuff, but the reality is, like, those devs are working super hard every year on a tight schedule to add more and more to those games. But I think that um, um, what indie developers have kind of the freedom to do is to pick, they have the really ultimately creative freedom to just pick like where they want to go deep, right? Like nobody, you know, told, um, you know, the, the creator of Tunic to go deep on making the most amazing manual in the history of video games and making that like part of the game, right? Like that was something that like nobody could have predicted. There's no like formula for that. That's something that, like they just came up with in their head and did. And there was nobody to tell them no. You know, nobody at Microsoft is like, oh, well, come on, time's wasted. You know, we, we're, let us know when it's done. You know, and 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 like to me, that's the beauty of indie games, and like, and that's what's like so exciting about the past. So excited about the present. So excited about the future. Is we just have like no idea what's going to come next. And I mean that like in the best possible way, right? right? Like it's just going to be something, um, you know, bonkers and, and amazing. And like, um, and I really think that that's um, like a, a, just a huge, that's what makes it so exciting, like to work with these devs, you know? And so, you know, to have somebody on the team, like, um, 
you know, Tony, Tony Gonzalez, who's like one of the, the folks on the ID team, you know, like shoots over an email, like, have you seen this? Like, it's like, oh, no, I haven't. Like, what's going on? Like, we need to, we need to talk about this. Or, you know, we, in, in the past, we've done these, uh, these demo events where, you know, during the pandemic, like, um, you know, we get to like, you know, share a bunch of demos with, with people, but, you know, to, 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 to kind of curate those, we sent out a big, you know, open call to our development team and, you know, Jessica Renell and our team will get those all together. We'll all get, well, virtually get in a room and look at all the videos and, you know, work out like what, what's ready to show now, what, what maybe, you know, is, is going to be next time. Cause unfortunately we can't always include everybody every time. Um, but like, the stuff you see, like the innovation you see is just like amazing. Like, it's just like, so to me, that's what gets me up in the morning. Like, and I just don't see that changing. Right. Like the, the, the creativity that, that, that developers have with the um, sort of democratization and development with tools like Unreal Engine and Unity and Game Maker, and then platform access with ID at Xbox and, you know, similar programs on PlayStation and Switch and of course, Steam and Epic Game Store and Humble and good old, you know, there's a lot of places you can get your games out there. Like, it's just awesome. And and now we're starting to see um, stories come. I say stories, I mean games, but I mean, you know, developers have a story to tell, right? Uh, like, come from all over the globe. Like, um, you know, you look at a game like Coffee Talk, where the unfortunately the creator just uh, passed away, which is, like, brutal. But he was able to get his, you know, this amazing game out all over the world, worldwide, from Indonesia. Um, you know, and, and that's, when was the last time you watched a TV show from Indonesia? When was the last time you read an right, Indonesian right. book, right? Like, I mean, the talent is universal. The stories that are, ha you know, the things that people in Indonesia are thinking about are as important as anything else on the globe. And, and like, now I've got to play a game from Indonesia and, like, I understand people a tiny little bit better. Like, um, that, you can't replicate that, you know? And, 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 uh, I just think, I don't know. To me, it's what's, I got goosebumps thinking about it. Just like, just thinking about what like a unifying force our games are for for everybody it's just i don't know it stokes me out like for sure that's really exciting stuff chris and man there's so much to talk about is right let's talk about what just happened gdc of course you shared some awesome numbers that you and the team at id at xbox got to bring out to the world with all these indie developers of course you've launched over three thousand indie titles 4,900 developers across 94 countries and helped raise uh, $2.5 billion in royalties. When you think back to the old Xbox Live arcade days and we talk about the growth and the digital distribution, did you ever think that you and your team would be here today with all of that? No, not at all. I'll be completely honest with you. We, you know, we, we, we had a lot of faith that we would be successful, right? And we, because we knew, we knew how Xbox players are. We know they love video games. We know they're going to buy games. Um, and we had faith that we were going to have this, you know, great marketplace. And we knew that the space was growing, right? But if you had told me, like, oh, in, you know, in nine years, you know, you're going to have paid more than two and a half billion dollars, I was like, that's a lot of money. <laughs> you know, like, that's like, that's, you know, that's, that, that is a big number. And it, it's really a testament just to, like, first of all, how awesome our devs are. Like, obviously, that's, like, the number one thing. Like, they make this content or these games that everybody wants to experience. And then, you know, like, um, you know, the, 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 the fact that it happens at all is like all down to like our team, folks like Jeff Carmen, folks like Timber, who's our, you know, community manager, um, David Ashbrenner, who helps like run the program on the back end. Like these are like the, um, you know, um, you know, people who are like making the games, you know, ship. We're not making the games and the games would not ship without the creators. I don't want to like take too much credit, but like doing all the, the heavy lifting on the Microsoft side. And so it's, um, you know, whether it's, you know, somebody like Reed who works on like our ID setup team or, you know, somebody like Nick Zukic who is on our portfolio team. It's like, it's just really cool to see like all those different people contributing and helping to just like um, help creators dreams come true and, and, and get their games out there. So it's, yeah, but could I have imagined it nine years ago? I think I could have dreamed that I'd still be doing it in nine years, but the amount of success developers have had, like, no, it's a, it's a magnitude bigger than I thought it would be. So let, let's stick with the financial somewhat, and let's oh, actually okay. talk about one of the big services that, that Xbox uh, obviously has, has for gamers, but also for devs as well, Game Pass. 
how in your opinion how how is game pass enhance what you're doing at id id at xbox as far as discoverability for gamers obviously but even with the developers like we talk about all these 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 financial numbers that, that they're getting on the back end how, how is it actually helping developers as well with, with game pass yeah, it, it's really helping. And we, it's hard to like talk about the exact business relationship, but right. obviously developers are not giving us games to put into Game Pass <laughs> free, right? So, um, so you can assume that they're, that they're uh, well compensated. Um, what's cool about it to me is how much of a, like a, a virtuous cycle it is because you've got developers who get a game into Game Pass. They get, they get really fair compensation. Um, then, now this game is available to millions and millions and millions of players uh, to, to download, you know, at no additional cost other than the cost of their membership and, and just the time it takes to download. And because that um, collection is curated, you know the games are good, right? Like, you might not be into every single game in Game Pass. Like, you could download a game from Game Pass and be like, uh, okay, next, you know. But right. you know they're good, right? You, you, you might not like, you know, I, I know that I don't like every game, but, you know, I you know, I can tell if I, a game is good, even if I don't like it, you know, all that, that kind of thing. And so that to me is just like a, it's a really great thing. And, and I'm, I'm old, but I still remember like being a little kid and going to the video store and just seeing like all the games and, you know, and you can get, you can get one right this weekend, you can get one. And yeah. if you don't return it on Sunday, you're in tr you know, like a whole thing, but you just had that possibility space of like, I can get anything and, you know, like, well, okay, I'm going to get wall street kid or, you know, or some, something weird. Cause you just want to like see what that is. And, uh, it, it wasn't always a great choice. I don't exactly recommend people go out and track down wall street kid for the NES. But, um, but I think that game pass has that same kind of feeling of just kind of like infinite novelty. There's like always something to try. And, you know, I think for a long time, the, the, um, the tagline for game pass was uh, find your next favorite game. And I still think that's just a great tagline. Cause that's what it's, all about it's about just like trying a bunch of stuff seeing what you like and and then just like finding something discovering something new and having that feeling of like you know like there's there's lots and lots of you know long-standing franchises that i love that i get every edition of and i play everyone which kind of know what you're going to get and and that's that's fine because it's satisfying like it's comfortable to like play a game where you kind of know what you're going to get but it's going to be a little different but when you play like you know you're done playing you know a franchise game and you kind of have that pause where you're going to like all right what what next and you just download something weird you just take a flyer on you know on on you know you know a game maybe it's strange maybe you just don't know about it maybe it's got cool box art whatever and you just discover something like that that it kind of it's i found corny and i know it but like it kind of brings like all the fun of like that first time you ever played a video game back you know what i mean that just that sense where there's just like there's no boundaries and you can kind of go and do anything. So to me, that's a, that's what I love about Game Pass. And you mentioned the financials and I think they're really important because does have questions, you know, you know, or, or how are we doing with, uh, if, I, if I'm not in Game Pass, does that hurt me? If I am in Game Pass, does that hurt me? And, you know, all, all I can say is we look at those numbers all the time. Like I've just been working with um, uh, one of our, our data folks who's brilliant, brilliant person about like, well, what, what does happen to games that aren't in Game Pass? Like, how does that, you know, affect things? You know, and, you know, I I can't say the exact results of the research, but right, I right. can't say that we we're both smiling at the end, right? <laughs> and, okay. and, that, and that felt good. And then when it comes to um, Game Pass itself, you know, the, the best thing that we can look at in terms of thinking like, okay, we know this is working for developers and we know this is, you know, working for, for us, or we know this is working for players, right? And we know, you know, we know, you know how we're doing. Uh, but like, how is it working for developers? And to me, the thing there that we get is this kind of extrinsic uh, affirmation from devs who, you know, a lot of people would sign one game into Game Pass just to experiment, just to see what the ecosystem does. But when they come to us and they want to do a second game, a third game, a fourth game, a fifth game, a sixth right. game, a seventh, you know, like, okay, it's working for them. Like, and we can feel comfortable that as developers are, you know, constantly reaching out to us about Game Pass and wanting to be included after they've already been included, we know that it's working for them and it must be working. Um, you know, we, you know, we have pretty good modeling, so we, we're pretty comfortable it's working financially, but, but them saying they want to be included again tells us, okay, this really must be working for them financially. And then also creatively, like the, you know, the, there is a buzz when you have worked on a million selling game, you know, or a game that's been played by a million players. Like I can't, explain it it's kind of like why is it cool having a game on console i don't know because it is like 
Uh, it's just it's just special. And like working on something where you're like, okay, a million people see my game is like, I, I've only had it happen, you know, when I was a developer, like, um, well, I don't know if it ever happened when I was a developer, but it, I, I'm in the credits for Minecraft on Xbox. I got it there. Nice. And um, uh, um, uh, it, it, it is just really special. And so I think we kind of help deliver, um, you know, that, that kind of um, feeling to devs too. And then the final thing, sorry, I know I'm chatty. Uh, no, is please, that, continue. Um, <laughs> You know, like a dev gets their game into Game Pass, and meanwhile, their game is on Steam, it's on it's on Epic, it's on PlayStation, it's on Nintendo. Now everybody's talking about the game because, you know, millions of people are playing it on Xbox. That's like, giving them, like, so much awareness for the game on all platforms that it ends up being, like, a really, I think, again, I'll use the word virtuous again, just, like, a really, like, virtuous thing for the whole game industry. And, um, you know, and, and then, and I promise I'll shut up, but the last thing is, like, there are, you know, there is financial compensation for game pass and there are probably well actually probably i can say definitively you know there's games that wouldn't exist without game pass being there to 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 uh to provide a place for them and i think that's really kind of cool you know like I, I don't know i don't know another way to put it but like um you know that that that's neat and i think that um helps the industry what, and i've got somebody in the background carrie i'm on a podcast how's it going yeah. If I could jump in on on that point that you just made, uh, and I'll give it to you, Mike. See, to me, when when I look at because you know people give us give us a hard time about talking about Game Pass on the show a lot, but we are an Xbox show, so what do you think? But to me, that point that you just made about certain games not existing if that service wasn't here is a big point because when I talk about the risk that these small studios have, where I always think back to a game like Disintegration. It wasn't, I guess it was kind of an indie game, kind of not. But that game, the concept of it was fantastic, I always thought. And I felt like it almost came out during the pandemic and almost got sent out to die. And that studio doesn't exist anymore. Whereas I think of things like that, where at least this gives these smaller studios and these developers some cushion to take a risk, to put something innovative out there that maybe necessarily they wouldn't otherwise without a service like this and having some upfront financial backing. So I'm, I'm glad you said that because this is, we need more of this in the industry. I want to see more unique things come out of game instead of the same thing over and over. So I'm very excited to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, I, I don't think like, I think Game Pass is awesome. Like, it, I think it's proven itself to be to be really great. And you know, that doesn't mean a game has to be in Game Pass to succeed. But I think that right. it is a it's just another way for people to discover games for sure. Shout out to MapleStory for sponsoring this episode. After 17 years of rich MMO gameplay wrapped in a unique 2D side-scroller, MapleStory is ready to proudly lean into its cute, pixelated aesthetic. The aggressively cute campaign aims to showcase the unexpected juxtaposition of cuddly, smiley characters with rich, multi-layered MMO gameplay. The campaign focuses on telling a story of immense character customization, a vast array of weapons and mounts to choose from, a seemingly endless horizon of lands to explore and battle all, while dealing huge amounts of damage to monsters of all shapes and sizes. I know a lot of people out there love Maple Stories. Hey, come check out this armed and adorable campaign. This is your world. With over 40 classes and thousands of cosmetic customization options, you can play how you want. And there's just so much good stuff. 18 years of content, no signs of slowing means you'll never get bored. You can go to maplestory.nexon.net. That's maplestory.nexon.net for more, or you can just click the link in the description. This episode is brought to you by me undies. I love me undies. You guys have heard me talk about me undies for years at this point. I'm always wearing the me undies shirt, the me undies lounge pants, the me undies undies, the me undies socks. I can go on and on and on. If me undies putting out a product, chances are Tim Gettys is wearing them. The me undies membership is literally designed to make your life easier with free shipping and returns on every order, savings on virtually everything they make, exclusive sales and early access to their newest stuff. There's kind of no reason not to join. Get super soft undies, bralettes or socks shipped directly 
directly to your door and live a more comfortable life knowing you always have what you need at your fingertips when you step out of the shower. MeUndies has a great offer for all of you. Any first time purchasers, you can get 15% off. For a limited time, if you sign up for their free to join MeUndies membership, you can get 25% off your first membership item. To get 25% off your first membership item or 15% off your first order and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash kinda funny. That's MeUndies.com slash kinda funny. That's really awesome, Paris. I, I love that what you brought up about the risk, right? And the idea of these games coming out and like, would there be a market for that? A perfect one is unpacking, right? We talked about it and how much we loved unpacking. Yeah. Like you brought that to any boardroom or you told your friends, oh, this is a game about unpacking your belongings. Nobody's going to want to play that. Nobody's going to even listen to you. But through the power of Game Pass, like we all fell in love with that game. Yeah. And that's another one where, you hear the core idea of the game, or you're unpacking, and you're like, what? And then you, you play the first level, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is cute. Oh, I got to find a little space for everything. And like, oh, I can kind of, like, put it the way I want it. And then you think, oh, this is, this, is, this is a neat little game. And then you start to realize the story, right? And, you, and, and, it, and it just, like, it doesn't, it just lets you find it. And then, you know, then it was just like, oh, wow, this is, like, I moved in with this dude and now there's no place for my stuff, you know, like, and that, that whole thing, like it just really um, was cool. And then for me, I just was putting away CDs and, or DVDs. And I was like, wait a minute, I know what the movie that is. And all of a sudden I had to look at every single DVD in the game, trying to figure out like what, what they were and everything like that. It's just such a neat, um, such a neat moment. I guess that's where I'll kick it to you, Chris, because, You've been doing this for so long. You've seen games that have taken some big risks like that. Do any pop out to you? Because I think of Paparazzi, right? That least recently came out. I think of how off the wall that is, but how much people vibed with that and are into that. Are there games that you've looked at before and said, man, that is like a wild idea. And then you've seen it actually succeed. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll just go to the, for us, the canonical one is, is Cuphead, right? Like, this, you know, oh team this family that has never shipped a game before that have no game industry experience it's like working like marketing and construction they read about unity someplace and or hear about it someplace and decide to like make a game because they grew up on the master system and the genesis um and uh and and they also grew up on like low by public domain VHS animation tapes that their parents got them at the grocery store and then decide to make Cuphead. And I mean, talk about risky hand drawing every frame, taking a, you know, a long time to make the game and, and, and doing something like nobody, like literally nobody's ever done before that. And their first game, like I like, Oh my God. Like, you know, like I will say, you know, you knew the game was going to be good, right? And you knew the game was going to be gorgeous, but like, the game is so fun. Like, I mean, it's so perfectly polished and tuned and everything else. Um, but they took so many risks. Like, uh, um, you know, and, and and in talking to them once, you know, just saying like, why did you take so many risks? You didn't have to take that many risks. They were like, well, you know, and I think they said this in interviews, you know, like, well, if we if this one doesn't work, we'll probably never make another game. So there's no reason we shouldn't put our all into it. And I, I respect that, you know, so much, um, you know, it's scary, you know, the, the risks that developers take, and I'm not, I don't necessarily recommend taking the risks, um, all, all those risks that they took, but it, it, it did really pay off for them. And, and, uh, and yeah, but that's one, the canonical one where it's like out of left field, super risky. And then, you know, turns out it worked out for everybody. So it's cool. So one more, one more from me, two-parter. Number one, do you have a Steam Deck? And if you do, I'm jealous. Oh my, oh my, <laughs> oh my, he did it again. He did it again. You know, you know I have to do it. No, but, but, but on a serious note, the, the part two of that, the, the Steam Deck, with the invention of this, and obviously, you know, it's hard to find because I still want one, but what do you see the potential of that for, for indie games? It, it, to me, it just screams that this could be like kind of the perfect go-to device for some of these smaller indie titles, you know, to basically play wherever you want. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I don't have one either. Like, uh, so uh, like, um, 
so anything I say is going to be secondhand. But look, yeah. I think the bottom line is like more endpoints for developers to get their games out there, right. like the better, right? You know, that's one of the things we're doing with Project X Cloud, which is basically, you right. know, play games wherever you are, like play them on your phone, play them on your PC, um, play them on your iPad, and um, you know, and and I think like I think that's what it's all about, you know, for developers, especially smaller developers. Um, you know, they, they they need their games to be lots of different places so that people can, you know, they can have the best chance of getting them discovered. I want to talk about discoverability with you, Chris, because it was really cool. We just got off of, of course, GDC with you, but also the ID at Xbox and Twitch showcase. And this is something kind of an evolution we've seen with your team of. I know a lot of Xbox players love discoverability. They love seeing what's next on the platform. And when we think of, E3s in the past, we had the idea at Xbox moment, right? The little segment. And then you talked about you and your team starting to kind of sprinkle in the idea at Xbox different uh, trailers throughout E3 instead of just being one big montage. Now you've moved into your own showcase itself. What has that been like for your team to kind of evolve that? Does that mean a lot to y'all? Yeah, it's been awesome. And, you know, Glenn and Taylor is our marketing folks who, who work on that, like, they do like a killer job. And yeah, it's been really interesting to see that evolution. Cause yeah, we did have a few E3s where we were like, we'll, we'll showcase ID games, we'll showcase indie games to make sure, you know, people understand like these are cool and you know, know what cool stuff is coming. And that, that works great. And then, you know, we finally got to the point where we're like, okay, there's too many, like not too many, there's never too many, right. but you know what I mean? Like this section is not, it doesn't need to be a section anymore. Like people get it. They just love video games. Just put these games where they want to be in the show. And um, and I think like that that's like worked out like super super well. But at the same time, you know, people are always asking us like, well, what else is there? Like, you guys need to do a direct. You, you know, we need to see more. And uh, you know, and, and that's like great feedback. And um, you know, it, and so um, we've been working with Twitch to put these showcases together. And I think it's just like a fantastic way to showcase um, just all the breadth and diversity of games that are coming. Um, you know, highlight some things that are really neat that maybe like don't have their trailer ready for the E3 deadline, you know, or the, the summer deadline, but they, you know, have it ready when it's ready and, 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 uh, or they want to do a surprise announcement or something like that. And so um, it's been, it's just been really, really cool. And it's cool to see um, the, cool to see the reaction. It's fun to look at the Twitch comments, which scroll by very quickly and, and, you know, and see what folks have to say. Um, and uh, it's been, um, you know, it's just been, uh, it, it's been really neat. And it's just another way to, um, you know, help uh, get the word out there about these games. And, and I assure you, like, we're constantly looking on, on our side, you know, just meeting with the, the ID team, you know, whether it's, you know, Chloe and Guy or, you know, um, you know, or, or, or whoever, just to, um, just to think about brainstorm, like, new ways to, um, to, to break games for people not like break games but you know what i mean like break games out and, and give people an opportunity to see things and you know i like i don't have anything to announce but like i can say we are constantly looking for new ways to do that and you know and and you know and some some ideas you you work on for a really long time and then you're like eh, not the best you know like and sometimes things happen so i don't know maybe something will happen in the future well you may not be able to say anything but i would like to throw out a wish list and yeah, say, please. I would love, and, and again, knock on wood, we get completely out of this, this pandemic that we've been in the past couple of years and we can go back to in-person events. I would love to see a dedicated idea at Xbox in-person event so people can get together, get hands-on with these games. Developers are there. You can have those in-person conversations and really understand the process and everything that, that, that goes with you know, making an indie title and, you know, why, you know, someone like myself appreciates it so much. I just think it'll bring even more awareness, you know, to, to the idea at Xbox program and just indie games overall. So I would love to see that if that ever happened. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> I would love to see it too. We, we used to do a thing right before PAX. We did an open house on, on like the Microsoft campus right yeah. before PAX. It was really, yeah. really fun. And it was so, um, I don't know what the, grassroots i guess like the first year we did it we didn't know if anyone was going to show up we just had we had a bunch of developers and we had the you know a bus that brought them over from pax and like people were showing up and we're like who ordered pizzas and then we just like ordered you know we yeah. called dominoes and we're like we need everything like now you know and uh you know and and it was just so 
fun. It's such a great community of players um, and and developers that when you can like actually get everybody together on the on the show floor, like everybody together, it's just like it's just something really really special. And of course, the pandemic has kind of um, put that on hiatus. But hopefully, in the future, I would love to do it again. And and not just. Uh, in Redmond, although it's, it's fun to do it at, at like home base, but uh, right. to do like other places, I think that's like probably one of the last like frontiers of accessibility for gamers is really like not everybody can go to PAX, not everybody can go to E3 or you know the you know whatever the summer event is, and like how do you I don't know like I think that's but it's you you guys have done it right, and so you know how special it is, and it's a different energy, and so. I, I just, you know, that would be neat. So, yeah, I mean, and the last thing on that, I mean, because I, I think it's great, like, again, to bring Tunic back back into the conversation. Like last year, there was the Tunic demo. You know, you got to play and things like that. I could do it at home. It's great. But I think, like you just said, it's a different energy when you can do that stuff in person. Like you, you take it to the before times. Like I remember, you know, Xbox would have like their media showcases. You would have some indie titles there. You would have some in the show floor mixed in with some of the bigger games. But I think having an event dedicated specifically to those type of titles would, would just be amazing and just do so much for, you know, for the indie landscape in the industry. Yeah, that would be, I mean, <laughs> Sounds I rad. it would be cool. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the before times because Chris, I've heard a lot of stories as I've done my research on you of you enjoying walking through the indie mega booths, right? We talked about Day of the Devs. Of course, we all miss that, right? But what are some of those memories? I mean, I think of Greg Miller really pushing me to go to Day of the Devs before the whole world changed, right? And it was an outstanding moment to me as a gamer, right? To meet the hardworking men and women and folks who make these games that I never really understood to be able to shake their hand and listen to the stories. I mean, I'm sure you have a hundred of them, right? Is there anything oh, that yeah. stands out to you? Um, I'm trying to think like, yeah, I mean, just meeting, I remember like uh, getting to meet the house house team, the untitled goose game folks at like a day of the devs. And that, it was just, that was really neat. And just um, other things were like, um, uh, to me, like the way I would do a PAX is I would try to schedule no meetings. Like GDC, I'm like back to back the whole time. Um, and then PAX, you know, especially PAX East in the olden days, I would just like book no meetings in advance. There'd always be a couple, but, and all I would do is I would just snake the entire show and just go to every single booth and play every single game. And it was so cool. I remember meeting, um, like the Chain Awesome guys there, the guys who did uh, Night Squad, um, which is a really fun, um, like eight player multiplayer game on Xbox and um and probably other places too and um but i'd never heard of the game before i'd never seen the game before they had some really nice like foam letters you know i was kind of like intrigued by and went up and met them and you know next thing you know like you know six months later eight months later the game's on xbox um and there's that's happened like so many times just getting to um there's something special about just like getting to like meet the devs and have them demo the game for you you know like um you know i know like just getting the having the the team show me demon stilt pinball is like different than just wandering by demon stilt pinball and in and um like uh yeah so I, I i love it i really do miss those times and i miss um you know getting to just like uh hang out with developers because they're you know in addition to being like super talented at making video games what comes with that usually is they're like smart funny engaging people who are like fun to talk about video games with and so whether you're agreeing with each other whether you're arguing or debating or you know whatever like if you know the, those those kind of moments where you're in a hotel lobby and you're you know there's like three or four people just gathered around just like chatting about games it's like that's something that's just really special and and um you know it, it doesn't happen right now the way it, the way it did then this is something you know about that kind of in-person thing that, that we don't have right now do you and your team feel that, like, you know, we've gone through two years of this now. Have you and your team found ways to alleviate some of that feeling of, man, this isn't the same? Have you found good ways to stay in touch with these developers and make that connection? Yeah, I mean, some of it, you just had to be a little bit more intentional. You know, you just have to, like, have meetings and, and talk to folks. And then some of it, like, we've done a couple of meetings where we just schedule meetings, you know, with people where we... um we don't have a lot to discuss like from a business point of view, like we're, you know, and we're just like really catching up to like 
see how they're doing and shoot the breeze and that kind of thing. And, um, and those are some, you know, some of the most, some of the most fun meetings, but I will say you've, you know, I think we all kind of been there where we feel like, okay, we're doing as good as we can during this pandemic. Like, and then you go to like that one in-person dinner with like people you don't know and you're like, okay, yeah, but as good as we could during the pandemic is not even close to how much fun it is getting to meet new people and, and hearing their stories and everything like that. So yeah, we tr- we've tried, but like, I don't, I just don't know if there's a good replacement for, for, for meeting people in person. I have two more things before I let you go. Let's talk about GDC because we shared the numbers we just talked about, but you and your team have evolved ID at Xbox and what you do with developers. Of course, the recently announced ID at Azure program. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Shine some light on how we've evolved that because it went from two dev kits and, you know, you guys trying to be, hey, yes, we can make that answer happen. What does this do to elevate that? Yeah, so this is an example where we, you know, we talk to, we talk to developers all the time and listen to developers all the time about, hey, what do they want? How can we make things easier? And, you know, people are starting to talk about cloud services for games. And, of course, like, you've got AWS, you've got uh, Google has a cloud product, you've got Azure. And, um, but a lot of these things are kind of architected for, you know, it's not, not always simple to do and, and kind of architected for, for bigger teams, right? And so, you know, we were talking and, and just the question is like, well, how do we um, bring this to like everybody, you know? And we know, I mean, we were talking about it before. Like we know that when we enabled digital distribution, we saw an explosion of games like we've never seen before, you know, whether it's a Cuphead or, you know, Castle Crashers or, or anything that are just like, completely unique and special and different than anything else existed. And and that's what great developers do when they get new technology. They just figure out a way to like do something awesome. And so it's like, well, what if we enable cloud technology and, you know, and do it kind of with the same sort of attitude and style as ID at Xbox. The person who's leading it, Nick Ferguson, actually was on the original uh, V team for ID at Xbox before he ended up going away and working someplace else for a few years and then just came back. And um, and so yeah, we put together an offer, and it's it's in you know it's called ID, but it's important to stress it's not um you know it's not about Xbox, it's about like cloud gaming everywhere. So whether it's Android, iOS, PlayStation, Switch, PC, Linux, uh, Xbox Two, of course. Um, but it's really about um like enabling your games with cloud technology, whether that's you know server stuff or whether that's even for like a single player game putting in telemetry so you can see where people are getting stuck or how people are behaving in certain ways. Like who finds this secret, you know, who finds this manual page here? Not that, uh, you know, Tunic is enabled with that, but I'm just saying like as an example, that's the kind of thing that a developer could do. And it helps them either, maybe they could update if they had made a puzzle too hard and they can see people are get, really getting stuck or they could signpost or they could just think about what they do for their next project. And that's the kind of stuff that, um, that's just like one example, of like a thousand. Um, that, that we think developers are going to do with it. But, but of course, like always, the thing we're really excited about is, uh, is seeing them um, do the things that we can't even imagine, right? Like the things where we're like, oh, you can do that. And you did. That's awesome. So, yeah. All right, guys, I want to end the show with some fun. Of course, Chris, here on the Kind of Funny X cast, I get Paris Lilly and Gary Witta. We call them my two gaming dads, and I get to have them tell me awesome stories. We get to share the fun of video games and of course you're here and you brought up an awesome one of xbox live arcade and geometry wars and i know i'm sure everyone watching and listening their ears perked up because when you talk xbox live arcade you bring up geometry wars everybody gets excited to share stories so i would have to i would be remiss if i didn't have you to share some stories from back in the day of xbox live arcade so chris and paris paris i'll kick it to you first any special Xbox Live Arcade stories you can share with me? Favorite games, anything like that? Man, I'm I'm trying to think. Like we already talked about Geometry Wars. Oh my god, and and it's killing me now. Um, it it's a it was like a bug game. God, you would put me first. Now I ah, is it a, a, bu- a bug sale? Bu- no, not bugs. Oh, I'm I'm screwing it up. I'm trying to think because I'm thinking specifically Xbox Live Arcade. There was this bug. It was called Bug Hominid. Is that is that right? Alien Hominid. Hominid? Alien Hominid. Yeah, Something Alien like Hominid. That. 
one. It's from okay. the same, one. same, it's from one, the yeah. behemoth, the same folks that did Castle Crash. Yeah, there you go. Ah, yes. That one. That, that was that was a game that, that I remember playing back in the day. The, the, the one memory I, I do have about Xbox Live Arcade, it's not playing the game specifically, it was the memory limitation. So so actually, I don't know, maybe maybe you have some insight on this, Chris. I, I remember there was the memory limitation. At what point did, did they did that go? Because that went away at some point, right? Because I yeah, knew that so was holding it, things back. It was, and, and I, I wasn't working at Xbox then, but yeah, the original memory limitation was, I want to say it might have been 50 megs or something like yeah, that. Yeah, because yeah. Because it, uh-huh. it had to fit on the memory card because not every 360 had a hard drive. There were those versions you could get that, that didn't have a hard drive right at the very beginning. And so it had to fit on a memory card. But then eventually there was some game um, that was too big. But, you know, and so these kind of policies, you know, even today, um, you know, these kind of policies are put in for a reason. And then when people are like, oh, well, this is actually, you know, it's something different, you know, the policies can get, you know, changed and relaxed. And, you know, that, that and so they've eventually changed it because there was a game that was too big. And I forget what the next size was. But I do know that then there was a third game that was even bigger, and then they were just like, "Yeah." And uh, and yeah. yeah. Chris, how about yourself? I mean, you are the Xbox Live Arcade guy. I'm sure you've played them all. What is some of the ones that stand out to you that you remember? Yeah, for me, I, it really is still Geometry Wars Two because I still play the game all the time. And but the, but when I hear Xbox Live and I think memories, I just think um, of halo though because like even before like i I remember showing people xbox live arcade i had a bunch of people over for a land party and xbox live arcade originally came on a disc right like it originally was like it was like a disc that you put into your og xbox and and it could play like miss pac-man and things and um and and but the original halo like land party like that era like uh you know early 2000s or whatever like to me is like was just so i think everybody's got this with games that like different games different times but it's just so foundational to like all the people who'd come over and like so many of them went on to like so we worked with a little developer we'd get like 12 16 people over in a tiny room with like tvs everywhere and or four tvs and uh screen cheating you know the whole thing and um and just cook a tri-tip, like just smoke a tri-tip yeah. out in the backyard and just and just play for hours. Like play for like eight, ten hours just without stopping. And how many of the folks who went on to like go work at Bungie, like on Halo and now on Destiny, it's like we had at least three people from that crew go there. Like I ended up at Xbox. Other people ended up like lots of different places, uh, including a guy who ended up at 343. And actually there's... In the Master Chief collection, there's a achievement called Back in the Day, and I think it says Back in the Day, and I think you get it for playing a Blood Gulch with everything turned on, which is, that's what we did, and uh, and then I, I think the, the subtitle for the achievement is Tri-Tip Optional, and so like that feels like um, kind of cool. I don't think you can see it. It's back there, but I have the, the traveling trophy that we had for those those uh, um, nice. those days like back back next to my TV and um, like to me that's like just like that's just like that was the that was when I fell in love you know what I mean with Xbox and so like oh yeah yeah can never forget those days have you been jumping into Halo Infinite of course you know the big flagship title it's been released everybody's been enjoying it what do you think so far of it have you been having fun I think I'm not as good at first person shooters as I. <laughs> 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 That's what I've learned is that you sort of, um, I don't know if you age into third person shooters, or you just age into playing chess. I, I don't know. Um, I still love it. I still, and it's gorgeous and it, it's really fun. But um, yeah, I think like I'm, I might be on the other side of that hill at some point. Paris, I see you smiling. Have you thought of some other Xbox Live Arcade titles at all? That well, no, it was funny because you said that. I'm like, I'm losing my mind. I had to make sure it was Alien Hominid <laughs> that I, I was talking about. But like Limbo is another one. Limbo, yeah. That, that, that oh, my God. As well. Yeah, that was another one from back in the day. But Limbo that, and Inside are still yeah. just like, Inside, yeah. those are like, I never play games early. Like, I always want to wait till they come out because I, I just, I don't know why. It's just my thing. But Inside, I got to build early when as soon as I knew it was done and just like, Lock myself down in this basement. Turned out all the lights. This was before we could change the brightness on the guide button. So I like put like a post-it over the guide button and the Xbox button, just make it as dark as possible, and just like played that game and like, oh, look amazing. 
You know, I, uh, I'm i a Castle Crashers kid. You know, growing up, that was a big thing for me. Of course, Tale of Two Brothers, everybody loves that one. They'll bring that up. And I just think of the evolution, right? I think of Gotham, Gotham City Imposters, right? Because you bring up the idea of, like, that game probably would never shift as, like, a physical big-time title. Right. And because of that, I was able to play a really fun game with my friends, right? And to see the evolution as we've gone on, right? I think of Nobody Saves the World, right? We had them on a kind of funny Twitch stream and, Got to talk with that dev team all about it. Sayonara Wild Hearts, a game I would probably never play, but really connected with and love to this day, right? And so I've had a lot of great memories with that, and I'm so lucky and uh, thankful for all that fun stuff that we've done. I have two final questions. One is about digital distribution and kind of the marketplace. We think of Xbox Live Arcade, and we talk about, of course, Summer of Arcade, right? And I've listened to a lot of your interviews over the time, and... Do you think when we talked about Summer Arcade, you kind of brought up like, I don't know if we could ever do that again because we had all these titles, this and that. But now when me and Paris read through the Game Pass updates each and every month, you have so many titles. Do you ever think you would be at that point as well? No, there's many games. No, I know I never did. I didn't know the industry would be at this point. But yeah, I mean, like Summer of Arcade is so cool. Like I wish this is not, it's just, it was like a, special moment in time i don't know if you can ever replicate it you know what i mean i think there's other things that are really really cool that we'll do and and that we do now but you know that that one is just like that's just like crystallized that was like a moment you know like woodstock i don't know like describe it yeah it was a really cool moment but what i want to get into is the storefront of course we've moved into a new generation you know the team over there has always elevated what the ui is and now really the storefront for me i've talked about it with paris and gary of like this feels like the ultimate blockbuster experience to me of when you go to the Xbox live storefront, you see trailers pop up, music will start playing. There's got movie trailers. Like, are you impressed with the storefront now? And are you happy with what you see with the ID at Xbox, you know, titles getting there, doing their spotlight on that. Is there anywhere for improvement? Are you happy right now with that? Um, Yes. And yes. Right. So like, uh, yeah, I was super happy. There's, you know, I did Xbox games get like a, an enormous amount of love on the store. I think the work that the store team does is fantastic. I think the store is really, really good. That said, if you talk to the store team, they're constantly talking about ways they can improve it. If you talk to, you know, you look on Reddit, you talk to anybody, we all have a million ideas about how to improve it. And the, the thing I sometimes joke about is like, we had like as a species, we had like 10,000 years to figure out how to do like a real store, right? You know, like starting in Mesopotamia and, you know, ending in, you know, like whatever, Walmart. And we're only like 15 years into digital stores. So we, there's definitely going to be like a lot of improvement um, and a lot more we can do. But I, I think what we have now is great. I just think like, you know, there's just ways we can, there's always ways we can do it better, right? And so that, those are things we think about all the time. How do we showcase the games better, how we make the experience more seamless and kind of low friction for players. So you're just, you know, just going through there and having fun. And, and, and we, we think about that stuff constantly. All right. Final question for me, a fun one. Cause I hear you're a skater, right? And I know you like to get out there. Yeah. You have gone through years of the pandemic. So I have to check in. Have you been getting out at least riding down the block or have you just been playing Tony Hawk ride like me in your living room to keep up your skate skills? No, I was going to, I can see a bunch of skateboards behind that wall. Uh, uh, yeah, I have, I, I had a, like, a um, in 2020, they closed my skate park and filled the skate park with like old fences because oh. of pandemic reasons, which yes. it's outside. Turns out now we know maybe it would have been okay. Where? So 2020, summer 2020 was a wash. I got some good uh, parking structure skating in. Um, and then summer 21, I fell, not skateboarding. I just fell down some stairs and cracked a bunch of ribs. So that was like, Oof. that was a wash too. So now we're into 22. I was, I've been skateboarding this weekend. It's like pretty nice in Seattle right now. I've been getting out there. I'm terrible. I can just push around, but like I can at least flow around the park a little bit and go fast and slow and try not to end up in the hospital and uh um yeah i did i will say this at gdc a lot of people were kind of you know bagging on me because my phone is shattered like i look like a i don't know if you guys are gonna be able to see this but i look like a middle schooler like this thing is just in pieces <laughs> and um uh but it happened skateboarding and so it's like every time i look at this broken phone i'm like that happened because i did something on a skateboard and my phone flew out of my pocket and smashed and so it's like 
it is kind of like a little bit of a souvenir. So, so I, I haven't replaced the phone yet. Skate four is just so, so far away. Chris, what have you been doing on the virtual front to like, kind of get that skater mentality out? Because I've been playing a lot of shredders and that's an idea at Xbox game. And I love shredders. Have you been doing that? What have you been doing to get your skate fix in virtually? I have played some Ali Ali world and, um, and then, um, but mostly I get my skateboarding for real. And then I got to admit like a little bit of skate three doesn't, doesn't hurt anybody. So. Good. I like that a lot. Uh, Chris, it's been a blast. Yeah. Paris, I'm going to look to you one final question or anything to say to Chris before we wrap up this episode. No, I think I'm all out of questions. Uh, I just want to thank you, Chris, for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us about ID at Xbox and just just your your history through the industry and that's led you up to this point. I mean, it's been fantastic. Thank you. For sure. Thank, thank you, guys. I really appreciate the time. And uh, I feel like cool. I got to be on this podcast and uh, <laughs> tell, tell Gary I said hi, I guess. And uh, we used to work together. So um yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. It's a uh, sort of it's uh, it's uh, it's it's cool to be here. So thank you. We definitely will. And uh, thank you, Chris, for everything you do. Make sure to share that with the team, as they deserve all the credit as well. But it's been a blast with you, and hopefully, all of our viewers and watchers out there have had a good time. This is another kind of funny X cast in the books. Of course, that's Chris Charla, the head of ID at Xbox. You got to share some stories and hear all about the work that him and his team do for Microsoft and Xbox. That's Paris Lilly. I'm Snowbike Mike. And on behalf of the whole Kind of Funny X-Cast crew, thank you for watching and listening. We'll catch you next week. Peace out.